Dance by William Shakespeare. Act 1. Scene 1. Enter Bernardo and Francisco to Sentinel. Who's there? Nay, answer me. Stand and unfold yourself. One with the king. Bernardo? Hmm. You come most carefully upon your hour. It's now struck twelve. Get thee to bed, Francisco. For this relief, much thanks. This bitter cold, and I am sick at heart. Have you had quite gone? Not about stealing. Well, good night. If you do meet Horatio and Marcellus, the rivals of my watch, beat them make haste. Enter Horatio and Marcellus. I think I hear them. Stan, who? Who's there? Friends to this ground. And liegemen to the day. Give you good night. Oh, farewell, any soldier who had relieved you. Bernardo has my place. Give you good night. Exit, Francisco. Hello, Bernardo. Say, what? Is Horatio there? A piece of him. Welcome, Horatio. Welcome, good Marcellus. What? Has this thing appeared again tonight? I have seen nothing. Horatio says to ease but our fantasy, and will not let believe take hold of him, catching this dreaded sight to white sea of us. Therefore, I have entreated him along with us to watch the minutes of this night, that if the given the separation come, he may approve our eyes and speak to it. Tush, tush, till not appear. Sit down a while, and let us once again assail your ears that are so fortified against our story, for we have two nights seen. Well, sit we down, and let us hear Bernardo speak of this. Last night of all, when yon same star westward from the pole had made his course to illumine that part of heaven, where now it burns, Marcellus and myself, then bell bitten, bitten one. Peace, break thee off. Look where it comes again. The same figure like like the king that's dead. Thou art his color. Speak to it, Horatio. Looks at not like the king. Mark it, Horatio. Most like it harrows me with fear and wonder. The witness spoke to. Speak to it, Horatio. What art thou that usurp this time of night, together with that fair and warlike form, in which the majesty of buried Denmark did sometimes march? By heaven, I charge thee, speak. It is offended. See, it stops away. Stay, speak, speak, I charge thee, speak. Exit ghost. You tremble and look pale. Is not this something more than fantasy? What think you on it? Before my God, am I not displeased without the sensible and true avouch of my own eyes? Is it not like the king? As thou art to thyself, such was the very armor he had on when he, the ambitious Norway, combated. So front he once, when in an angry parlor he smote the slatted poleaxe on the ice. Tis strange. 
Just twice before, and just at the stiff hour with Marshall and Stop, have they gone by a watch? In what particular thought to work, I know not. But in the gross and scope of my opinion, this bodes some strange eruption to state. Good now, sit down and tell me. And it knows why that same strict and most observant watch so nightly tolls the subject of the land, and why such daily cast of raising cannon and foremart for implements of war, why such impressive shipwrights whose sword test does not divide the Sunday from the week. What might be toward that the sweaty haste of make the night to labor with the day, otherwise they can inform me. That can I, at least, the whisper goes so. Our last king, whose image even but now appeared to us, was, as you know, by fourteen brass of Norway, pricked on by a most immolate pride, there to the combat, in which our valiant hamlet, for so this side of our known world stemmed him, did slay this fourteen brass, who, by sealed compact, well ratified by law and heraldry, did forfeit with his life all those his lands, which he stood seized of, to the conqueror, against the which a moiety competence was gauged by a king which had returned to the inheritance of four timbras. Had he been vanquisher, as by the same covenant and carriage of the article designed his fellow to Hamlet? Now, sir, young four timbras, of unimproved metal hot and full, hath in the skirts of Norway, here and there, sharked up a list of lawless resolutes for food and diet to some enterprise that hath a stomach it, which is no other as it doth will appear unto a state, but to recover of us by strong hand and terms compulsory those forsaid lands, so by his father loss. And this, I think, is the main motive of our preparations, the source of this our watch and the chief head of this post haste and rumage in the land. I think it be no other but even so, well made sword that this portentous figure comes on through our watch so like the king that was and is the question of these wars. A mode it is to trouble the mind's eye. In the most high and palmy state of Rome, a little ere the mightiest Julius fell, the grave stood tenantless, and the sheeted dead did squeak and gibber in the Roman streets, as stars with trains of fire and dews of blood, disasters in the sun. And the moist star, upon whose influence Neptune's empire stands, was sick almost to doomsday with eclipse. And even like the precursors of fierce events, as harbingers preceding still the fates, and prologue to the omen coming on, have heaven and earth together demonstrated unto our climaters and countrymen. Enter Ghost. again. I'll cross it, though it blasts me. Stay, illusion. Spread his arms. If thou hast any sound or use of voice, speak to me. If there be any good thing to be done that may to thee do ease and grace to me, speak to me. If thou art privy to the country's fate, which happily for knowing may avoid, oh, speak, or if thou hast abhorred in thy life extorted treasure in the womb of earth, for which they say, you spirits oft walk in death, speak of it, stay, and speak, stop it, 
Marcellus. Shall I strike at it with my partisan? Do, if it will not stand. Tis here. Tis here. Exact goes. And then it started like a guilty thing upon a fearful summons. I've heard the cock, that is the trumpet to the morn, doth with his lofty and shrill sounding throat awake the god of day, and at his warning, whether in sea or fire, in earth or air, the extravagant and erring spirit hides his confine, and of the truth hearing, this present object made probation. It faded and the crowing of the cock. Some say that ever gaze that season comes where our saber's birth is celebrated, the bird of dawning thing is all night long. And then, they say, no spirit there still abroad. The nights are wholesome, the new plan is strange. No fairy takes, no with his power to charm. So hallowed and so gracious is the time. So have I heard, and do in part believe it. But, look. The morn, in rusted mantle clad, walks o'er the dew of yon high eastward hill. Wake we our watcher, and by my advice, let us impart what we have seen tonight unto young Hamlet, for, upon my life, this spirit, dumb to us, will speak to him. Do you consent we shall acquaint him with it, as needful in our lives, fitting our duty? Let's do it, I pray, and I this morning know where we shall find him most convenient. Hello guys, hope you're doing well. Today I'm here with a new story to tell. But before we start, let us have an introduction to the story. Fire is so important to us, so it is not surprising that several mythologies of the world contain references to how fire was first revealed to or obtained by man. In Polynesian mythology, it was the god Maui who gave fire to mortals after stealing it from the fire goddess. Prometheus of Greek mythology, too, stole fire from the gods to give it to man. The Bushmen of Kalahari Desert have their own legend about fire. Interestingly, in their tale, man gets fire through his own efforts and not through the kindness of any god. So, let's listen to this story together. The ostrich stretches its wings. Mantis, the creator god, felt that mankind was not ready for the gift of fire. So he entrusted it to the ostrich, who kept it safely under one of its wings. A bushman learned that the ostrich had fire and made up his mind to steal it. So one day he paid the ostrich a visit. I've come to tell you my dream, he said. Why should your dream interest me? asked the ostrich. Because it concerns you, said Bushman. In my dream, I learned that if you were to stand with your wings spread out in the strong wind preceding dawn, you would soar into the sky like an eagle. That's interesting, 
said the ostrich, secretly thrilled. Its greatest wish was to be able to fly. Do not pass up this chance to get the gift of flight, advised the bushman before leaving. Before dawn the next day, the ostrich spread out its wings and waited to be lifted into the sky. As it waited, the bushman crept up to it, grabbed the fire and ran. That is how people got fire, and that is why, said the bushman, the ostrich is not as smart as other birds. The loss of the fire upset it so much that it became feeble-minded. Alright guys, hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We'll be with you again later with other stories to tell. For now, farewell.